When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, it's Civilized Barking. We're counting down to Browns and Chargers. I believe we did this week five last year too. That was a fun game. We'll get to that. Anyway, Zach Jackson, um, sort of flying solo today. I have my colleague in LA, uh, Daniel Popper. He's covered the Chargers. Um, He will pop on here. I didn't mean that, I promise, <laughs> um, in one second. So uh, Brown's back at home for two. You guys know the deal. Uh, have to feel like this one was an extra tough to swallow. Uh, the Browns gave it away, and it wasn't one thing or one player. It was multiple fronts. And now the Chargers are two and two. Um, you know, they've dealt with some issues of their own. Um, we'll see. Let, let, let's dive in. Joining me, as I promised, uh, Daniel Popper. Um, welcome, friend. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Good. So, um, obviously, the Chargers, like the Browns, thought, expected to, to be better than 2-2. Two and two. Maybe not needed in the Chargers' case, like I think is the case with the Browns. But we know the injuries there, right? Um, and, and, guys, we are recording this on Thursday morning for Daniel, uh, before practice for me, so we don't know. Uh, it, I think it's trending positively for Clowney and Garrett, and, and I'll get more into that later. But just what do you think the overall vibe of this Chargers – team is do you, do you feel like that they are like hey we're, we're good enough to overcome this we're good enough that september doesn't matter or do the injuries and in, in the weird start kind of put a cloud on things yeah i mean there's definitely some concern but i think the way they responded in that texans game on sunday really galvanized the group and, and listen i understand the texans aren't a, a, a you know uber talented group but the way that they came out jumping out to a 21 nothing lead 27 to 7 at halftime um, the way they were able to get pressure on the quarterback, the way Justin Herbert played. Like, I think there's a little more confidence, a little more comfort in sort of how they're playing right now. Like there was a ton of uncertainty about how Justin Herbert would be able to respond from this fractured rib cartilage that he suffered in week two against the chiefs. You know, he was sort of figuring out what his practice routine was going to look like leading up to that Jaguars game. They didn't know if he was going to play. He had no idea how his body was going to react in the game. And he was super hesitant. Um, in that first half, you just saw it. There were shot plays downfield that he could have hit, that he was just a little bit hesitant. He didn't know what was going to happen when he got hit. But as soon as he got hit a couple times, as soon as he made a couple throws, you started to see him look like Justin Herbert again. And there was none of that uncertainty in the Texans game. He came out, he knew what his body was going to feel like, and he played at a really, really high level. And so that just calmed everyone down, right? The defense sees, okay, Justin Herbert is Justin Herbert. The skill players and offensive linemen see, okay, Justin Herbert is Justin Herbert. The coaching staff, sees that Justin Herbert is Justin Herbert and that allows Joe Lombardi to call the game a little more confidently, their offensive coordinator. So I think that was a big thing. And then, you know, obviously losing Rashawn Slater is massive because he's an all pro left tackle and he is so important to what they do offensively because they can just leave him on an Island. He actually prefers to block on an Island. Like I remember going back to the Browns game last year, we were sort of all realizing how good of a player he was and they were trying to chip help him on miles Garrett and Rashawn Slater told Austin Eckler, like don't chip. 
don't come over here because I prefer to block one-on-one -on -one even against a player as talented as Miles Garrett. And so losing him was huge because, you know, having a, a guy that can block on an island like that allows you to do a bunch in terms of how you send your help, where you're targeting your chips and that sort of thing. But Jamari Salyer, a six-round pick, played left tackle at Georgia. They were trying to slide him into guard. That's where he played exclusively, but they decided to make a move there and put him at left tackle. And he played really well. And that really, you know, solidified that side. Obviously this is a completely different challenge this week, but I think that gave the Chargers a little more uh, comfort in terms of what the left side is going to look like. So, you know, obviously some uncertainty, they also are without Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen had a setback with his hamstring injuries. So they're still dealing with some of these injuries, but I think that Texans game really solidified some things for them in terms of how Justin Herbert's going to play, what the left side of their line is going to play, how they're going to, they're going to generate pressure without Joey Bosa in there. So I think you're looking at a, a more, confident group and a group that's a little more comfortable with what they have in terms of making these adjustments amid these injuries. Yeah. I mean, I would agree two injuries or 20 Herbert's the most important, right? So with that in mind, um, that Jaguars game in week three, is, is that a natural and understandable letdown spot or is that a, a sign that, um, you know, I guess a worrisome thing for the chargers going forward? Yeah. It feels like an aberration because of the things that I was talking about earlier. Like, like Justin finished 23rd in EPA per play in that game. And that's just not, he's not that quarterback, right? Like he's not the 23rd best quarterback in the league. And so, you know, you expect him to finish top 10, if not top five in EPA per play every week, which is where he was at this past week. And so when you, when you, when so much of your team relies on that quarterback and that guy being great, especially in off script situations, and he just isn't that player, that's going to throw a wrench in, 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 in how you play and what you're able to accomplish. The Jaguars are a good team too, right? Like I think that we need to acknowledge that the Jaguars are really talented. And then, you know, when Rashawn Slater went down in the second half, you know, you had Storm Norton in there at left tackle, and he was just completely overmatched, like uncompetitive rep after uncompetitive rep. It didn't matter who was rushing across from him. He couldn't handle Josh Allen. He couldn't handle Trayvon Walker. He couldn't handle Arden Key. And Justin Herbert, with this injury and with all this uncertainty of how his body was going to feel, was dealing with that in the second half. I thought the defense played pretty well in the first half. You had two turnovers deep inside their own territory. Um, they were able to keep them to 16 points in the first half, but they played 41 snaps in the first half and they were just exhausted in the second half. When you play that many snaps in the first half, you can't expect the defense to hold up in the second half. So I think all those factors were at play. Listen, I'm not like excusing the performance. It was embarrassing. No, I mean, I'm genuinely on... asking because right, you know, right, like right. I, I kind of liked the Jaguars plus three that day, knowing what the chargers had going on, but yeah. like I didn't expect the Jaguars to roll. Right. Right. So. Right. Yeah. So you lose Slater, you lose Joey Bosa in the first half that changes you know, your, your, your pass rush plan completely. They didn't get anywhere close to enough pressure on Trevor Lawrence. They were under 20% pressure rate. And when Trevor Lawrence is, has a clean pocket, he can rip you apart. The book on him is getting pressure on him and his completion percentage, you know, absolutely tailspins. I mean, he's like under 40% completion percentage when under pressure since he's come into the league. So it's just a lot of different factors that went into it. And you have a really good, talented roster over there. And Doug Peterson is, is really dialing things up offensively. So not excusing the performance, but just there were a lot of factors that led to it being that lopsided. And I don't think the charges are that team. Sure. Um, you know, we are three days out still. We know Rashawn Slater is not coming back. And Joey Bosa is not coming back till way later in the season. Yeah. Um, do we expect Keenan Allen? And, and are they good otherwise for this Sunday? Yeah. So Ke I would not expect Keenan Allen to play. He, he was trending positively. And then on last Thursday in individual drills that the hamstring pulled on him again. And, 
you know, when that's when a setback happens with a hamstring injury, that's really not good. You know, so he was not at practice Wednesday. Obviously, you said we're, we're recording this Thursday morning. I don't think he's going to practice Thursday. I would imagine he's he's out this week. And, and that's another thing with this offense. You know, they've had some good moments, but it hasn't been anywhere close to the type of offense everyone expected. And they're 11th in offensive DVOA right now. The recipe for success for the Chargers coming into the season was maintain that elite offense, top five offense, and then get the defense playing a little bit better with this infusion of talent. And you have a playoff team. The defense has done their part. They're 11th in DVOA. That's like right where they, they need to be to be a good team. But the offense is, is you know, outside the top 10 in DVOA. And so they just haven't been good enough there. Um, and a lot of that is Keenan Allen, right? Like he is, he is Justin Herbert's go-to guy on third down those third and mediums third and four third and five third and six like there's no one in the league in my opinion that can cover keenan allen one-on-one in those situations and not having that player has a trickle down effect for the entire team mike williams has to take on a bigger role he's now a number one wide receiver he's getting double team more often teams can roll their coverages his way and make him a focal point of the defensive game plan um and i think you've seen that affect mike's production and so that, that's a that's a big issue in terms of keenan allen um otherwise uh nothing significant. I imagine everyone else is going to play one key guy that I think they're going to get back this week is Donald Parham, their number two tight end. Who's been out since August 6th with a hamstring injury. Um, he opens up a lot of things for them offensively, just because of his size, his catch radius. He's a real threat down the seam and they've kind of been missing that um, so far this year. Gerald Everett has done a decent job. He caught a seam ball for a touchdown in that Texans game, but having a second option there at tight end and a guy who can really operate in the deep part of the field, especially down the seam, I think will be a big addition for the Chargers. Yeah, sure will. Um, tell me if this is this is ballpark accurate. Like the way the Chargers play defense, they're going to give up rushing yards, right? They they don't want to be the worst in the league, obviously, right? But even though they, it's a point of emphasis, they're going to give up rushing yards. They're mostly fine with it. It's just the Browns really run the ball, and they want to make sure they're not giving up rushing yards, say, down 14-3 on Sunday, right? Yeah, I, that's sort of the strategy of the defense. I mean, you're really going to you know, put a roof over the coverage, as Brandon Staley calls it. You're trying to prevent explosive passing plays. He believes that's the, the easiest way to lose a football game is giving up ex- explosive passes. Um, so that's the strategy, but they still need to stop the run. Like, they can't be what they were last year, and so that's why they invested so much in this defensive line, signing Sebastian Joseph Day, signing Austin Johnson, signing Morgan Fox, drafting Otito Obonia in the fifth round out of UCLA. And they've been better. I think the averages are a little skewed because they've given up three 50 plus yard runs in three straight weeks. And obviously that's going to skew, you know, your, your yards per carry it, kind of different situations in each one. You know, the, the chiefs game, there was a pretty blatant hold on Derwin James, who was the primary player in that gap. And they didn't call it. And Clyde Edwards, Hilaire was able to rumble for 52 yards uh, late in that chiefs game. In the Jaguars game, they gave up a 50 yard run to James Robinson they came out in their penny personnel, which is nickel with one linebacker and five down defensive linemen. Um, they should have called a timeout and gotten to a different personnel package. They were just overwhelmed. The, the Jaguars were in 13 personnel. They were in heavy, and they were just able to block it up. Um, and then, you know, they gave up a 75-yard run uh, to Damian Pierce in that Texans game when they were ahead 21 nothing, and, um, you know, just misfit. And then, you know, Nasir Adderley, their safety just has been taking really bad angles on some of these run plays where, you know, okay, you miss a fit should be a 10 yard run, but if the safety, that last line of defense takes a bad angle and misses that tackle, it turns into, turns into a big one. So it's really like they, they defended the run pretty well outside of three plays, 
but you're going up against a team that runs the ball better than any team in the league. And so that's, right. th- that's gotta be the key. Like you can't, you can't just give up rushing yards to the Browns cause they'll, they'll destroy you. They'll destroy yeah. you. So like last year's game was must see TV, right. And just fun. Um, it just obviously Browns fans didn't think it ended fun, but yeah, the chargers going for uh fourth down on their own 20. You had, you know, 75 yard touchdowns, 50 yard touchdowns, trading scores. I mean, I don't think it's out of the question, Daniel, that this week that Chubb runs for 200 and Herbert throws for 400. Like, it's similar type game. And maybe be saying that, maybe it'll be 21-19. But I, yeah. I, I will not be surprised if it's a similar type wild-ass game again. Yeah, I, it's certainly possible. I think the Chargers are an improved run defense. But, like, that's the matchup to me. Like, that's what I'm writing about for my Friday notebook where I look at, you know, the, the biggest matchup for me in the game. And it's, like, can they stop the run? And, and the one interesting, interesting thing in talking to guys in the locker room, like, the Browns can do everything in the run game. Like there is no limits to what they can do. Like it, it, you know, Morgan Fox told me like, it is the full menu. Like a lot of teams will major in one thing, whether it's outside zone gap scheme, you know, specific plays they like counter, whatever it is. Like, this is what we do. Well, we're going to do this in the run game. The Browns can do everything because of the talent that they have on the offensive line. And obviously these running backs. And so it's going to come down to the chargers being really assignment sound, playing good technique and, and not, you know, chopping at the bit to make, you know, these splash plays in the backfield, like they just have to try and limit it. And, and if they can stop the run, you know, they're going to have a real opportunity. And, and I actually wanted to ask you about this because just it feels like, you know, this Brown secondary has been playing together now for a bit in the same scheme. And it just feels like for whatever reason, they haven't really coalesced from a communication standpoint. The Chargers certainly see, as they did last year, an opportunity uh, to take advantage of, of that communication or lack thereof in the passing game. And I'm curious, you know, why do you th- why do you think that the secondary really hasn't meshed together despite playing together as long as they have and the you talent got, that they have, right? You got an hour or two. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, last year it was, you know, the fifth game and the Browns had like nine new guys in various roles on defense. And then they right. didn't end up having Clowney right before the game. And so, yeah, it was a little bit of that. And it was like, um, okay, you know, Justin Herbert's just, just really good. And if you don't put him away, this is what happens. Um, it's been mystifying, man. It really has. The, the Browns have given up 50 points in the fourth quarter in four games. Oh, my God. To, to Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco, Marcus Mariota, and Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> right? So um, last week, the Falcons only completed seven passes, but dudes were wide open. So yeah. I, I don't have that answer for you. Um, yes, they, Denzel Ward makes a ton of money, and Greg Newsom is a really good young player. And John Johnson makes a lot of money and Grant up, but, they, but, but like guys are just running free. Um, they had to make a middle linebacker change with Jacob Phillips and he got absolutely picked on last yeah. week. You know um, he's a great athlete, but losing the savvy and, and the smarts of Anthony Walker is a loss. And yeah, guys have just been getting cut, caught out of position and, and, you know, at the Jets game, I mean, the Browns lead by two scores under the two-minute warning. The Jets don't have timeouts. Like, that's a once-every-two-decades thing. The last time to blow <laughs> – last team to blow that lead was the Browns in 2001, right? But <laughs> consistently, um, consistently, guys have been wide open. And, yeah, you know, you look at Herbert. I mean, I mean, the theme here – I don't want to get to fourth downs in a minute – is – you know, okay, the Browns, they had some shaky game management. They have some calls they'd like to have back, obviously, on multiple fronts. Play calls, decisions to go for it, um, you know, everything. But they just had a coverage bust in the fourth quarter, and they just have consistently had guys out of position. And it is – it's it's mystifying. 
Um, it's frustrating. And to not be at least three and one against that schedule, you know, probably sinks you. So you have to win your home games. You have to win your AFC games. Nobody's season is over on October 9th. Right. But um, the Browns wanted some cushion (laughs) because everybody in the world knows how good Justin Herbert is. Right. And, you know, the Browns feel like they can win this game and Browns fans feel like they can win this game because of the run game, because Bosa and Slater aren't there because Keenan Allen's probably not going to be there. Right. But this secondary against that quarterback, whew, we got uh, we got major major problems ahead. I right, think. right, right. I think so. you're right on it. I think you're right on it. I mean, I mean, in terms of Chargers defense against Browns offense, it's going to come down to stopping the run game. The run game, and then in terms of the other side of the ball, like you have to defend the entire field against Justin Herbert, and that's why, like, I think it's such a big matchup is because if you bust a coverage, it's not a 20 yard completion for Justin Herbert. Like, if you let a guy run free, he can throw it over them their mountains you know yeah. and so like there's you have to defend if you're if if if, if the Chargers are starting from their, their own 10 you got to defend 90 yards because herbert can herbert can can reach those parts of the field and so if they're going to be a ton of coverage busts like it's going to be a long day for the brown secondary and it feels like like that is the key matchup on that side of the ball yeah so so staley's thing last year before everybody turned on him right was was going for on fourth down and playing balls to the wall uh, on their own 20-yard line against the Browns, and they got it. Um, here, the Browns want to be that team. You know, they want to go for it. And last week, in the first drive of the game, they went for seven. They should have taken the three. You know, they got it inside the one another time, and instead of running with Nick Chubb, they threw a pass. Well, they got a holding call. They settled for three. They lost by three points, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, is Staley still doing that? Um, is that, you know, the Browns doing it too? Um, a point of discussion out your way this week. Yeah, I mean, Staley's never going to deviate from the process. You know, he's going to believe in the math and he's going to believe in the analytics staff. Um, I think what you've seen a slight deviation this year, but I don't think that's, um, you know, Staley making any like specific decision. I just think the math has changed because they value their defense more. They feel like they have more talent on that side of the ball and they feel like they have a much better punt unit. They invested in their punt unit, uh, whether that was signing all pro long snapper Josh Harris, whether that was signing J.K. Scott, who you know, has tremendous hang time on his, on his punts. And so they feel like that's more of a weapon for them this year than it was last year. And so when you, when you value your punt unit more, when you value your defense more, that's going to change the math a little bit, but, but listen, like they're going to, they're going to be aggressive. Like they had a fourth and one down three points from near midfield um, in the fourth quarter against the Texans. That was a key play in the game. And, and they could have easily punted the ball away in that situation and played defense and felt like they could stop Davis Mills and Brandon cooks and that, and that Texans offense, but they decided to go for it. And Joe Lombardi made a great call. They uh, you know, all game long, the Texans have been crashing on the chargers outside zones. So they ran a little outside zone uh, play action bootleg Eckler leaked in the flat and they took advantage of that over aggressive pursuit against outside zone and Eckler at a 20 yard gain. So like, they're still going to be aggressive in specific situations. Um, that's just like what Staley wants the identity to be. He feels like it's, a, it's an advantage. Um, and we'll see, I mean, a lot of it is game script as well, right? Like last year in that Browns game, Staley realized about in the second quarter that, you know, they weren't gonna be able to stop anybody. Right? That's like, <laughs> yeah. Like that's what, when I sat down within this off season, that's what he said. He's like, I realized we weren't stopping anybody that day. And so you have to like change your decision-making process and be like, listen, we got to score points. So we got to go for it pretty much every single time or else we're going to lose this game. Cause we know the Browns are going to score on the other side of the ball. So We'll see if that happens this week. Yeah. I mean, for, for, for us watching, you know, with no skin in the game, that would be a lot of fun to see it all again, right? Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised. 
So I heard this on a radio show the other day. Uh, Herbert has thrown for 300 plus in seven straight road games, right? Yep. Um, the Browns' last 300 yard pass game was that game in LA last year. Baker. <laughs> Baker. Wow. Yeah. Remember how fast Najoku looked on that screen when he busted out into the open? I mean, he got paid yeah. off that play that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I. I got a feeling it's not going to get there. I don't think it's going to be that type of game. You know, I, you know, no, it's a fascinating start, right? Because the Browns yeah. want to, obviously the Browns want to get the lead, but they want to, and, and they have, this is another disgusting part about only being two and two is they've dominated the time of possession and the number of plays in the run game in, in all of these games. Right. But I think it's especially important this week, like you said, because you, you, you lose a guy by one yard, let alone the six they've been losing a by and, and Herbert turns it into long touchdowns real fast. Right, but he needs the time to throw, and that's why I don't think it's gonna. It, that's why I don't think it's gonna get there. Because listen, like right tackle Trey Pipkins has made massive strides. He's played really well, but you're talking about you know if Miles Garrett and Jadeveon Clowney both play in this game, you know it's gonna be really tough for the Chargers to access that part of the field on a regular basis. Like, and Jamari Stallard, he played well, but I just you know I got done watching the film last night, and they did a lot to help him. I mean, sure. it was it was all sorts of different chip help, motioning running backs to his side motioning in tight ends max protection play action bootlegs like they did a lot to prevent him from being in one-on-one -on -one situations and that's against you know an, an older jerry hughes and jonathan greenard like not guys that are miles garrett and Jadeveon Clowney. and so yeah. like they're gonna have to scheme this up like i think they're gonna try and get their shots in but the shots are gonna have to come with seven and eight men in protection to keep herbert clean otherwise they're gonna have to get the ball out they're gonna have to execute quick game they're gonna have to roll herbert out on some shorter bootlegs and, and and shorter designs because they can't afford to drop him back and have him uh, sit back there and wait for stuff to open up downfield. And I think that's where the Browns might be able to mask some of the, the secondary concerns. Right. And and for all the Browns flaws and the realistic concerns about the communication things, I mean, the fact is they were playing 250 pound defensive ends last week who were just getting rolled over in some cases, literally turned over. Right. Right. While, while the Falcons ran right at him and did other things. So uh, he's Daniel Popper. He's been a great guest. He does a great job covering the Chargers. Check it out. His stories. I'll tweet them uh, throughout the weekend as we get closer. Uh, Daniel, I'm going to let you go. Listeners, stay here. We're going to take a quick break here once we kick Daniel out of here. And we're going to go over some Browns things, um, some injury updates, and just some notes getting ready for the Chargers game. So, Daniel, thank you again. I will see you on Sunday. Awesome. See you in Cleveland. Thanks, Zach. It's going to be like uh, 48 degrees when you land Saturday. So welcome. I can't wait. I'm an East Coaster, so I, I need some fall weather. It's 75 and sunny here right now, and honestly, I'm 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 chomping at the bit for a little bit of fall weather, some leaves, some some autumn breeze. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, you're gonna get it. All right, let's take a quick break. Okay, I won't keep you guys uh, much longer here. So that uh, Daniel with a great rundown of the Chargers. I mean, guys, these are this is an LA team. They're loaded with superstars. They don't have a couple of them. Um, it never comes easy. Right. Uh, we didn't get to mentioning Derwin James. Watch this guy play football. He's a thrill. Herbert, just everything's so effortless. Um, you know, Eckler, the little engine that could. So, um, you know, this is a game. Frankly, you look at the, at the Browns schedule. This is, and when I say you, I'm, I mean me, but I'm talking to you guys, uh, obviously. You know, Brissett against Herbert. This is one that I just chalk as a loss early on, right? Um, that at Baltimore and at Buffalo with with Brissett in um now with the way the browns are running you know with the thought that both garrett and Clowney are going to be back at least in some capacity um 
the way Garrett returned, Garrett returning to practice, and then the way the team kind of trumped it up on his social media tells me he's going to be in. Um, is he 100%? Is he 100% conditioning and snap count? We'll see. Clowney, you know, we've seen him in the locker room, no boot. We know they didn't put him on IR, which was a positive because that would have been at least four weeks. We're assuming high ankle sprain. Um, he did talk to reporters today. He said he hopes he can play. So we'll see. I mean, look, look. If you get 20 plays out of Jadavian Clowney and Jadavian Clowney's 80%, that helps you. What 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 Clowney and the medical team need to decide is can he do that? Can he do that without um, you know, making it worse? Right. And and like I said, Alex Wright played well last week, the rookie. Um, I think he did. I think he's a good good young player. Uh long way to go, but but I think he's already a a player you can count on to do his job and eventually could be a really good player. So like I said, just, just getting 20 plays of Clowney, just getting miles at 65 or 70% of the snaps instead of the 85, he usually plays just that one play where he gets back there and alters. I mean, we can go into pressure rates and all that stuff. Everybody finds that we use true media and print it. When miles Garrett doesn't play guys, everything about, how teams block the Browns, how teams attack the Browns, how quarterbacks have to look out. Um, as Daniel mentioned, how they have to motion extra guys and give a rookie left tackle who was playing guard three weeks ago help. So, yeah, just having them out there, that's a boost. Um, you know, the Browns, there's some injury concerns, obviously. They, they've been relatively healthy, um, obviously. And when they don't have Clowney and Garrett, they're not the same defense. Nobody is. Does that excuse – or begin to help you understand what's going on in the back end? No. And that's confusing and it's terrifying against Justin Herbert because you can play great defense and everybody in your lane against Justin Herbert, and he makes throws that other cats can't. And Gerald Everett has been a really nice pickup for them at tight end. Um, it's a huge drop-off after Keenan Allen, as we mentioned. But Josh Palmer can play. Carter's given them some help. And Mike Williams is a load. Um, Mike Williams is just a – bigger, stronger dude than almost anybody covering him. And they can put it out to the perimeter and he can go up and get it. So we'll see. Um, I'm going to pick the chargers, but I'm going to get, I'm giving the Browns a chance. I really am. I, I think we know what their blueprint is. I think we know what some of the chargers flaws are. The Browns have strengths or perceived strengths in that area. The Browns should be desperate. They should be pissed off. Um, you know, as for, for last week and some of those decisions, all right, when it comes to fourth down, and again, we're, we're never going to find a common ground, and it's always going to be results-based. It is. But you have to get the call right twice, right? You make the call, kick or go, and you get the right play call. And, you know, for the Browns to be second and goal inside the one and throw a pass, that's just – that's Stefanski getting too cute. That's what that is, right? Um, uh, you, you bring in for a whole the seven offensive line, and you got Nick fucking Chubb. Just give him the ball. As for earlier – you know, they are, they're finding their way. There is a consequence to pay for constantly changing quarterbacks and changing personnel. I think that Jacoby Brissett rolled out on a play he wasn't supposed to roll out. You know, did someone miss a read? Did someone miss a wrong, run a wrong route? I don't know. Uh, considering it was fourth and three from the four, should they have just kicked the field goal? Absolutely. But these are little timing things. Um, as I mentioned before, part of the Browns' disgust and disappointment with only being two and two is you played bad teams. You had a chance. You got your script. You have not – you've put Brissett in very few precarious situations. Yes, I know he's thrown interceptions in that. He hasn't otherwise. He's taken care of the ball. The Falcons, you know, disrupted, took away Amari Cooper. They left Peoples-Jones and Njoku wide open. The Browns started to exploit that, then Njoku fumbled. 
he's been he's been solid otherwise, um, and, and they need to rely on him. They're going to need him regardless of who's playing quarterback and what the circumstances are. Not just for the basic plays where the tight end gets open and you make defenses pay for leaning one way or the other, but because he can turn the simple play in, into a big gainer. We haven't seen a ton of that. We've seen a lot of volume. Um, these running backs are just so good. This offensive line is clicking. They've dressed it up with the extra tight end stuff, with the misdirection stuff, as I as I talked about last week, uh, and Daniel talked about. They don't just want run one set of running plays. You know, they don't just attack you in one area or, or run right and then counter back. You know, every sixth run, they they can run outside stuff. They can run inside stuff. They can run left and right effectively. Those guards pull. It's a thing of beauty. So. Um, how do the Browns win? They get a push on special teams, right? Um, you know, defensively, they make the Chargers work for it. They don't give up easy ones. You know, hold them to some field goals. And, the, you know, they win the time of possession. They win the plays, and, and they get a chance in the fourth quarter to run it, to run it. Um, screen it a little bit. Trick it up just a little bit. Not inside the one-yard line, Kevin. Um but just run it, use those backs and run the shit out of it. So it should be fun. This is, I mean, this Chargers team is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. They are fun. They are experienced. They added Khalil Mack. Um, you know, Mike Williams would be the one receiver on a lot of teams and, and is as long as Keenan Allen's out. So Herbert's just that good. The Browns need it. The Browns need it. Um, it gets really uncomfortable if they lose it, quite frankly. So the line's three or two and a half. You know, everybody knows the Chargers are good. As we mentioned, we'll see. Um, the Browns have made some roster movement this week. They got Drew Forbes back on the claim. Uh, they 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 like Tim. They didn't want to lose him. It was one of those tricky roster things. They thought they could sneak him through in September. They couldn't, so they get him back. Um, for the first time, they cut an Andrew Barry draft pick. It's newsworthy because it happened. You know, I, I think it generally should be taken as a positive that they like the guys they've drafted. A lot of them are playing key roles. You know, or a lot of them becoming superstars. I don't know. They on this team right now, they're they're not needed to do that, right? They brought back Farrell Brown um, at tight end, which I thought they would. Farrell Brown is a humongous human being, guys. Um, he's a blocking first tight end, and that's what this team doesn't have. So he fills a role. Um, I'm not sure he'll play this Sunday, or if he does, maybe only a handful of snaps. But in the run game. They think he can make a difference and help them. They expect to get Greedy Williams back. Will he play a bunch? I don't know. Uh, you're going to need a third and fourth corner at some point against Justin Herbert. You know, it's Ben Emerson. So um, curious to see what adjustments are made, you know, with the three safety look, um, with how they can help Jacob Phillips. You know, do they have some packages where Wusu Kormo is the only linebacker out there? You know, I think you'd only get to that if you get Garrett and Clowney back and get a lead. We'll see how that goes. Um, or maybe you just hope Phillips is going to be better. And, you know, from what I saw, he couldn't be much worse. Super nice kid, super athlete and can make impactful plays. He did uh, late in the Steelers game, but last week he was out of position and shoved around and picked on. And again, like that's the thing here. Um, we'll always tell you the truth is in the middle. And the truth is the Browns have a lot of season left. The Browns have a dominant run game. The play calling has been good. The management of the constant outside storms to me has been fine. And the defense really has to be better getting its guys back and can't be any worse in the back end. The flip side is you needed to be at least three and one. I would have never said four and oh because it's hard in this league. Um, but those are four pathetic teams the Browns played, and they're only two and two. 
probably burn you later, but we'll see. Big month ahead. Big game Sunday. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for reading. Uh, we'll have this week in Browns up on Friday. I'll link all of Daniel's stuff. And then Sunday, 1 o'clock. Uh, I don't think it's going to be winter on Sunday. The forecast I saw said, said real winter conditions on Friday, uh, comparatively, on Friday and Saturday. A little warmer on Sunday, but good football weather. And probably one that comes to the fourth quarter. And will they let Kate York rip it this time? If it comes to that, we'll see. Thanks for listening.